Hello everyone, I'm Peter Lupson, author of the book Thank God for Football, about the church origins of 12 famous English football clubs who have played in the FA Premier League. The series is based on my book Thank God for Football, which is available from Amazon or directly from the publisher SPCK. Today's club is Queen's Park Rangers. The story of Queen's Park Rangers Football Club begins when a new housing estate of striking architectural interest was built during the 1870s and 1880s in the Kensal Green area of West London. It was named Queen's Park in honour of Queen Victoria. In the same year that it was completed, 1886, some of its youthful residents decided to name their new football club after it, Queen's Park Rangers. The estate was built on an 80-acre site with an exceptionally simple layout, making it very easy to find your way around. There were six parallel avenues, numbered 1st to 6th, crisscrossed by roads lettered from A to P. All the streets were tree-lined, giving the estate a very attractive appearance. There were shops, a dairy farm and a coal depot, as well as public amenities such as baths and washhouses. High standards of behaviour were expected of its residents. No public houses were permitted on the estate, and no shops were allowed to sell alcohol. Any residents found drunk were evicted. Libraries, reading rooms, discussion clubs, and a large recreation area were provided as alternatives to the public house. It was in this very respectable environment that most of the first Queen's Park Rangers players grew up. The moral tone of the area was reinforced by the parish church St Jude's, which was situated just on the edge of the estate. In 1884, the vicar, Reverend Sidney Bott, opened a mission hall called St Jude's Institute in the very heart of the estate to cater for its rapidly growing population. St Jude's Institute was to become the HQ of Queen's Park Rangers Football Club. Sidney Bott had great vision and energy, and he served the parish faithfully for 34 years. One of the activities he encouraged was the Boys' Brigade, an organisation founded in 1883 in Glasgow by William Alexander Smith for, quote, the advancement of Christ's kingdom among boys and the promotion of habits of obedience, reverence, discipline, self-respect, and all that tends towards a true Christian manliness. Smith was a Sunday school teacher who believed that good discipline and good Bible teaching could be effectively combined through a semi-military format involving the wearing of a uniform and physical activities such as athletics and camping. Bands were also a prominent feature. Smith's idea quickly caught on and led to the rapid spread of boys' brigade companies throughout Britain. By 1885, a company had been established at St Jude's Church, using St Jude's Institute as its meeting place. One of the members of the boys' brigade at St Jude's was Jack MacDonald, a Scot who had left Glasgow as a young child with his widowed mother, his two brothers and his sister to come and live on the Queen's Park estate. Jack was the youngest of the children by several years. 
he became a pupil at Droop Street Board School, now Queen's Park Primary School. Opened in 1877, it was the first school to be built on the estate and it was here that Jack developed his passion for football that he was never to lose. The spacious school playground provided an ideal arena for him and his football-loving schoolmates to hone their skills every playtime. At first, Jack and his friends were quite content to enjoy impromptu games among themselves on the school playground or on open spaces near their homes. But by their mid-teens, they were ready for something better. An important step was taken in 1885 after a meeting of the Boys' Brigade when Jack and his friend Fred Weller proposed the formation of a football club. Their idea met with an enthusiastic response. It was quickly agreed that the new club should be named after the place where they frequently met, St Jude's Institute. They would, of course, need the approval of Reverend Bott before they could form a club with the name of the church in its title. But he not only permitted use of the name and the use of the institute as their HQ, he even set up a gymnasium for them there. The members of the new club agreed to pay a subscription to provide money for essential equipment. To start with, all they had were four upright posts and two pieces of tape to string between the posts as they couldn't afford crossbars. These were stored at the institute and carried to their pitch on match days. There was a considerable age range between the players that first season, 1885-6. Jack MacDonald and Fred Weller were 16 and 18 respectively, but Albert Pearsall, who was later to become a director of Queen's Park Rangers, was only 12. Joe Spur was 14, while his brother Harry was 20. We don't know who St Jude's first opponents were. The earliest reported match was an away game in February 1886 against Vulcan FC 3rd 11, the result being a 4-0 win for the Vulcans. Clearly, the mixed-age St Jude's players were not yet a force in local football. Details of other St Jude's games are elusive, but one particular match has gone down in history, even though the result and team lineups are not known. It was against Christchurch Rangers in the spring of 1886. The two sides knew each other well, as most of the players lived on the Queen's Park estate. Christchurch Rangers had been formed in 1882 from a boys' club at the Christchurch Mission on nearby College Park estate. This mission had been started by St John the Evangelist Church in Kensal Green, just as St Jude's Institute had been started by St Jude's Church. After the match, one of the founders of Christchurch Rangers, George Woodhouse, suggested that the two clubs should merge. He felt that a combined team would be much stronger than either team could be separately. Both sides agreed that it made good sense. The merger went ahead. However, when the newly combined team played under the name of St Jude's Institute and used the Institute as its HQ, many of the Christchurch players claimed they'd been victims of a takeover and walked out angrily. Their response was to set up a rival club called Paddington FC.
It was important that the remaining members of Christchurch Rangers should feel fully included in the union, and to achieve this, a new name, acceptable to everyone, had to be found. As most of the players lived on the Queen's Park estate, it was suggested that the name of the estate should be incorporated into the club's title, and that it should be coupled with the word Rangers to show continuity with the former Christchurch Rangers. It was an inspired choice and duly adopted. Just as Sidney Bott had supported the launch of St Jude's Institute FC, so too did he show his support for the new Queen's Park Rangers Club by allowing St Jude's Institute to be used as its HQ. 1886 saw not only the adoption of the name Queen's Park Rangers, but also the arrival of a new curate, 25-year-old Charles Gordon Young, a Yorkshireman, at St Jude's Church. He was to play a pivotal role in the club's development. Not only did he join the team as a free-scoring centre-forward, but he was also a natural leader who was able to fuse the two factions of the club together in a spirit of unity. Having had no previous involvement with either St Jude's Institute FC or Christchurch Rangers, he was seen to be wholly neutral, and his presence became a stabilising factor, not only on the pitch, but also at committee meetings. There can be no doubt that, during his two years as curate of St Jude's, his steadying influence at the club helped lay the foundation of its future success. His departure from St Jude's in 1888 to become rector of Chipstead in Surrey, must have caused great sadness among the Rangers players. They were losing a very good friend indeed. In the early years, the question of a suitable pitch was always a major concern. Sometimes only a handful of games were played at one ground. Money was also short, and the team must have looked slightly ridiculous in the riding trousers they'd been loaned by a supporter who owned stables in Maida Vale. Things became more settled at the start of the 1892-3 season when a pitch was secured at the Kilburn Cricket Club for use as the club's first enclosed ground. The move was accompanied by a growing sense of ambition as Rangers abandoned their staple diet of friendly matches and joined the West London League. They finished the season on a high note, winning their first ever trophy, the West London Observer Cup. The 3-2 victory in the final was a magnificent achievement as their opponents were Fulham, champions of the West London League. Keeper Harry Kreber the only member of the original St Jude's Institute team of 1885 in the side, would have been very proud to see how far the club had progressed. More success followed, and by 1898 it was felt that the next logical step was to turn professional, especially if the best players were to be kept. Some of the committee members were strongly opposed to this, firmly believing that football should be played for fun, not for profit. However, after a much heated debate at a meeting in St Jude's Institute on the 18th of December 1898, the supporters of professionalism had their way. The momentous decision was taken not only to turn professional, but also to become a limited company with a board of directors.
Ten days later, on the 28th of December, the Queen's Park Rangers Football and Athletic Club Limited was formally registered. Of course, the change of status to a limited company meant that after 13 years, the club could no longer use St Jude's Institute as its HQ. George Musel, the new secretary, promptly registered his home in Lancefield Street near St Jude's Church as the new base. Sadly, St Jude's Church was demolished in 1961, but the St Jude's Institute building, now called St Jude's Hall, still proudly stands at the corner of Ilbert Street and 4th Avenue. Its external appearance has hardly changed since it opened its doors in 1884. It was the focal point of a very special football-themed fun day on the Queen's Park Estate in July 2011 to mark the 125th anniversary of the birth of Queen's Park Rangers Football Club. A large crowd was present, including the Deputy Lord Mayor of Westminster, to watch the unveiling of a plaque above the main entrance by Rangers legend Stan Bowles. The plaque explains the vital role of the building in the history of the club. But it wasn't just the building that was being commemorated. Speakers from the platform also paid warm tribute to Sidney Bott and Charles Gordon Young for the invaluable part they had played in the club's foundational years. It was recognition that the two St Jude's clergymen thoroughly deserved. As you know, most clubs have a song or tune associated with that club. You're now going to hear the song associated with Queen's Park Rangers. hope you enjoyed that story. Join us again next time to hear another one about the church origin of a famous English football club. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Peter Lupson, author of Thank God for Football. <laughs>